welcome to the I Love You Too Much to Argue podcast with your friends, Holly and Beck. Thanks for listening as we discover ways to invest in all our relationships using tools such as the Enneagram, love languages and parenting with love and logic. Here we go. I'll get you to set, like say hi lovers. Okay. Hi lovers. Hi lovers. Hi Holly. Hey, Got something to tell you. What is it? I have... Wait, are you surprising me on the podcast? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's okay. It's good. Okay. I, right. <laughs> I, when I'm trying to learn something new, mm-hmm. I will often create a reminder in my phone that goes off regularly That's to remind me about something that I'm learning or trying to change a habit That's or things like that. That's a great idea. It is. I should do that for trying to remember to drink more water. Yeah. Mm. Although I'd probably ignore those. <laughs> okay, so it's not a great idea then? What are you trying to say? No, it really is. I'm just really bad at drinking water. Right, okay. Yeah. Anyway, I had this one go off um, the other day and I just had a little giggle to myself before because it's something that you told me and when I put what? the reminder in my phone, I quote you. <gasps> <laughs> so this is what it says. It says, Oh, I hope it's a good quote. That's embarrassing. <laughs> of course. Of course it's a good quote. You only ever say good things. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it says, they don't need me to solve this. They need me to empower them. Oh, HJP. I don't even remember saying that. Holly's initials for those of you who don't know. <laughs> when did I say that? Oh, it was a while ago. It's been going for a long time and it goes off about once a month. Oh, my gosh. That's so cute. And it... It's to remind me that my kids don't need me to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. They need me to empower them to solve their own problem. See, because I can't remember saying this, <laughs> I want to write it down and quote you <laughs> and put a reminder in my phone. Well, you can do that if you want, but you'll have to attribute the quote to you because you said it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't take the credit. Look, I probably got it from somewhere else. So <laughs> I just pulled it out in conversation with you. Yeah. Wait, are you sure it wasn't on the podcast that I no, said it? No, it was a very long time. I reckon that's been going off for 12 months. And you only me. just told me yeah. that. <laughs> I think I've got another one in there from you too. It just doesn't have your initials at the end. But you always have nuggets for me and I oh, go home and put it in my little <laughs> reminder in my phone. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. So today we thought we'd talk a little bit about that. Well, the the topic that we had put was danger versus discomfort and I guess your little story relates to that it a little really bit because does. what does it say my they don't need me to solve this they need me to empower them because I guess if they've got a problem that needs solving that yes. feels like uncomfortable or discomfort discomfort look it does for me it I find it a little bit difficult to allow my kids to experience pain or discomfort mm, mm-hmm. I think it has a little bit to do with um, my Enneagram type, yes. but also um, probably from my own upbringing as well, mm-hmm. just like wanting to protect them from everything. Mm-hmm. But I know in my brain mm-hmm. that that doesn't help them learn. That's right. Like sometimes we have to do hard things to know that we can. That's right. And I think we forget, and we did an episode, I think it was episode 26, that talked about some consequences that are natural versus logical versus imposed. And some of the consequences that our kids experience because of their behaviour or their decisions is not always comfortable. Yes. And it's hard to watch that as a parent and not either solve it for them or help them feel comfortable again and use it as a learning opportunity. Yes. But I think often when we talk about danger versus discomfort, what parents 
some parents think is they view some discomforts as danger. Yes. And we never want to view a danger as a discomfort. That is just a big no-no. Yes. (laughs) But we want to clarify a little bit which discomforts are not actually dangerous. Yes. I've got a good story from you just from the other day. Yeah. My son needed, well, he didn't need to, he chose to subscribe to something Mm -hmm. that for the first month is free. Yep. And he set himself a reminder or we talked about him setting Mm -hmm. himself a reminder to cancel the subscription before Mm -hmm. the month was up so that Mm -hmm. he didn't have to pay. Clever. And he came to me the other day and told me, Mm-mm. that he didn't cancel it in Uh-oh. time and he paid money. Money came out of his bank account mm-hmm. to, for that monthly subscription and he came to me and he said, Mum, will you pay it? <gasps> oh, you might not want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> of course I want to be your friend. <laughs> what did you say? Well, he he had some really great reasons of that I should pay. <laughs> yeah, as any, and- as any smart kid. Oh, reasons man, for- he's brilliant. He's, it was for school, Mum. I really needed it. And you buy my school books. And, and it's so hard to hear that as a parent. Oh, my gosh. Because sometimes kids are like, they're so clever and they're, <gasps> it's not that they're wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was a little bit he was a little bit sneaky and he, he has got away with it, I'm afraid to admit. But mm-hmm. he, he purchased something that was connected to my card. Mm-hmm. And when he does that, he'll often transfer them well he does transfer me the money he said mum I'll transfer you the difference right <laughs> so I have actually paid for it which is so bad <laughs> so so that's is that a danger Holly or a discomfort well it's a discomfort <laughs> that you're not wanting him to feel the discomfort of mm. not remembering to cancel something which is causing now monetary loss or financial loss yes so that's not a danger but it is discomfort it's uncomfortable to watch your child in that pain it's uncomfortable to listen to them giving you all these reasons about why you should pay it and obviously every parent's going to make their own decision and that is completely 100% fine and there's never any judgment so of course I'm not going to defriend you (laughs) I know that because we all do these things and we all make decisions based on what we have capacity for at the time so you know sometimes we'll do it by the book in inverted commas and sometimes we we just make a different decision and yes. that's got to be okay because yep. you know as every other parent knows everyone's just doing their best job very true <laughs> very true but it's not a danger so if you had have wanted to you could have let him experience the pain of what that means in order that next time he wouldn't make the same mistake again. Yes. That's the whole idea behind experiencing the natural consequences of our choices is that we learn from our mistakes and we don't rely on external voices but we rely on our own internal voice to yes. tell us what is happening. Now, I remember, I'm not sure if I've said this on the podcast or not because, you know, it's not like I sit there listening back to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, but a story that I have when my eldest was little, something that I used to do, a lot of parents, you know, you've got a hot cup of tea or a hot, you know, bowl or a hot something and you don't want your kid to touch that because you don't want them to get a blister or you don't want yes. them to get burnt mm-hmm. or anything. But what often happens is especially, you know, around that baby or toddler age, uh, parents start warning their child from getting burnt 
without the child actually knowing what that feels like or what that means. Now, just let me be very clear. Do not burn your child. (laughs) (laughs) No, we do. No. (laughs) This is not what I'm saying. No. But one of the things that I used to do when they were real little is when they would go to touch something hot, I wouldn't allow them to touch it and put them in danger or get burnt, but I would then show them why I don't want them to touch it. So, for example, if it's a cup of hot tea, I would move their hand away and say, oh, honey, that's hot. I would try not to ever say no. Of course, I wasn't wasn't perfect at this. (laughs) And this is now me remembering what I used to do. So it's definitely romanticised a little bit. But I would wouldn't say no don't touch or no darling don't touch that I would move their hand away and say oh honey that's hot and then I wouldn't burn them or put their hand or whatever to burn them but I would move it closer and closer because if in anytime there's something hot the closer you are to it you can feel the heat you can radi- feel the radiating heat. so then what the child learns to understand is the reason you're moving them away is because it's hot and they know what hot means. Yes. So you never burn your child. Actually get them to touch something hot. No, but there are ways of experiencing what hot means before they are experiencing danger. So it's uncomfortable maybe to be a little bit close to a hot cup of tea. Yes. But they experience what hot means when they're real little. So that is a kind of example of danger versus discomfort in that way. Um, I had a a conversation recently with one of my kids when she was sitting doing some homework and sending emails and she, she had my laptop on the couch and she was kind of hunched up in this weird way, like slouched on the couch and her chin was on her chest and if the only the listeners could see you right now because oh you're kind of Am trying to do it, it with your body. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and she was trying to work and I said to her, sweetheart, this is not helpful for a working environment. You need to sit up properly. And so, you know, I helped her show her how it's best to sit. And her comment to me was, but mum, the other way was so much more comfy. Mm. And Obviously, as a parent and you watch a child who's slouching around like that and you know, well, whilst it might feel comfortable for the child and it looks terribly uncomfortable for the adult, you also know that long-term sitting like that is Mm. A, not a good habit to get into, but B, also it's not going to be helpful for your posture or anything like that. And so what I said to her was, honey, comfort doesn't always equal beneficial Wow, <laughs> that's going in the reminders. <laughs> I need to please say that again. Comfort doesn't always equal beneficial. It's so, so true. Well, I mean, I just said it in the moment because it came to me <laughs> in that conversation. But it is true. And as we were talking about this episode, it, it came to my mind again because Often as we go, you know, we're going about life, we've got to do things in life that aren't always comfortable. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not beneficial. It's true. If you talked about the idea of doing, if I want to get fit. That's right. And I'm going to do sit-ups. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, they're not Are you going to do sit-ups? <laughs> uh, um, 
but they are beneficial, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's plenty of things in life that is not comfortable, but it is beneficial. It's true. Even having hard conversations, they're not comfy sometimes. Yeah. Or um, if you've got a job that you don't like, but you have to go to it to earn money. Yes. Then that's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is beneficial. Yes. You know, something else that might be really comfortable is staying in an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Because it seems too hard to get out. but And so it's just comfortable because you're just used to it. Yeah. But that's not going to be beneficial in the long term. So true. So there's a lot of things that parents can do that are kind of a natural consequence that sometimes feel like it might be dangerous. Yes. So if life or limb or, you know, mental health or those kinds of big things are in danger, you don't even go there. That's a a no-brainer. That's no question. We can rock up and do all the saving we need to do and rescuing. Step in. Be the helicopter in that moment. (laughs) That's right. Be the helicopter parent that you need to be in that moment. If your child is about to run on the road and it's a busy street and you've, you know, lost concentration for a minute, you can just whip that child right up, up. pick them up. I don't mean whip them. (laughs) I mean like (laughs) scoop them up. Scoop them up. (laughs) And you say, oh, we're going, we're getting right away from that traffic. This is not safe. You know, those kinds of things are dangerous. But there's plenty of things that are discomfort or uncomfortable that instead of, instead of protecting, rescuing, fixing for them, that we actually allow them to feel that discomfort. Some things you can allow it to ride out the entire discomfort. Sometimes it's just for a small amount of time, depending on what it is. But then responding to the discomfort just with empathy. Yes. And as we've talked about before, that's always like the first response. So, you know, for your son who had spent the money accidentally, responding with empathy for that discomfort that he's feeling and I know that you didn't do this but um if it happens again (laughs) and you and you choose to (laughs) um responding with empathy for his situation but also it's almost like a futuristic empathy that you are realizing this is going to be painful for him for a little bit because I know how much he was saving for whatever. Or yes. So it's like, oh, and it's also you knowing that you're going to make this decision that you're not paying it for him. So it's empathy for him on behalf of him, for his parent that's not <laughs> rescuing him. It's like, oh, my gosh, that poor kid. Yes. Because as we said before, empathy opens the heart and mind to learning and that is such a big um, thing for a kid to know and understand. Yes. So, sorry, I'm kicking the microphone. <laughs> um, so l- allowing your child to feel some level of discomfort is beneficial. Now, I'm not talking about things like if you've got a child in nappies or diapers, I'm not talking about leaving them in a, a wet or soiled nappy to teach them the discomfort of soiling themselves in order to um, make potty training or toilet training quicker. That's not what I'm talking about. No. That's not okay. No. That's not the kind of thing that we're saying. But it is okay if your child makes a mistake or, or has a problem in their life for them to feel some of that discomfort in order to learn 
from it. If they make a poor decision and walk on the concrete outside on a really hot summer's day and their feet, you know, feel burnt because they've run on the hot concrete and then they run back inside, you don't have to rescue rescue them and, and tell them, you should have been wearing your shoes. Well, I've told you before, you've got to wear your shoes. You can just provide empathy. Oh, honey, are you okay? You poor darling, I bet that feels so hot. Would you like some help? Just providing that empathy but allowing them to feel the discomfort and getting on their level so that they can hear that you understand them and hear that you know that they're in discomfort is just such a big moment for a child. And it might not feel like it in the moment. Yes. It might not feel like anything's happening or different to normal, but it it really honestly is. Yes. So, Beck, you talked about your Enneagram before being a six and, you know, preparing for danger or not wanting, you know, people to feel pain and stuff, and that's one of the struggles that you find in allowing your children to feel discomfort for a learning opportunity. I do. (laughs) How do you combat that or what do you do in those moments to tell yourself that it's okay besides setting reminders? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, setting reminders is helpful. Um, Often I will talk to someone Mm -hmm. about um, a situation and ask what they think. Mm. So you're one of my good (laughs) go-tos to just chat through this is what's happened and, I mean, even as we've been talking about my Mm. son and him, Mm -hmm. you know, not paying, like expecting that I would pay for his um, thing, I'm thinking, oh, I have to go, I have to go change that because really (laughs) I want him to learn now while the price tag's really low Mm. that if you are going to to sign up to a free trial Mm -hmm. at the end of the month, there's Mm -hmm. probably going to be a charge and I'd prefer him to learn that with $15 rather than fifteen hundred dollars sure so i'm going to interrupt you now mm -hmm. and ask you another question now that you've just made that decision how are you going to approach that with him good question so i'm just going to tell you my opinion (laughs) please please tell me your thoughts you know we're the experts of our own podcast (laughs) self-appointed by us And this is really just a private conversation between friends that some people listen to. (laughs) Anyway, so my suggestion to you would be that you approach him if you're going to choose to do that. And again, you don't have to. This is your decision. Yeah. But that you approach him and say, honey, I've got um, something I need to apologise to you for and I'm really sorry this might be hard for you. And then go on to say, when you ask me to pay, I felt really bad and I wanted to fix it because I didn't like to see you in pain, Mm. but that was actually the wrong decision for me to make and I'm actually going to ask that you pay for this and I know that that's hard for you and I know that I already agreed to something else, which is why I'm apologising to you for now revoking that. I like it. And then I could even give him a choice about whether he wants to give me the cash Mm -hmm. or he wants to do jobs for me to to, earn it. it Great. I love that. Thanks. Well, you'll have That's to fine. let me know how you go as well as our listeners now yeah. that they've been drawn into our <laughs> private conversation. How else do I combat it? Um, it is quite challenging for me and mm-hmm. often it'll be in the moment I fix the problem for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then go back later and have a bit of regret about, oh, I mm. stepped in there and, and fixed it, which is why I have that reminder go off regularly yes. to remind me it's not actually helping them if I fix it. 
But if yes. I empower them to fix it, mm-hmm. they're actually gaining skills yes. that they're going to need as adults. Because one of the superpowers of a six, an Enneagram six, is actually fixing things and and knowing how things might go wrong and yes. being like a gap filler in that sense. So that must be really difficult. It, You know what? It's helpful in some are- arenas, mm. but I feel like in parenting sometimes it's it's a what's the right word um it's a growth area <laughs> it's definitely a growth area for me it's a bit of a trap because sure, yeah. i can i really can see a few steps ahead of my kids and oh if they make this decision which i expect they will because i know them then <laughs> this is going to happen then this is going to happen and so i can put mitigations in the way mm-hmm. for the end result not to happen if they do make that decision but yeah right they're really not i'm not letting them learn yeah yeah I so um, I think just having this conversation is really helpful because it brings it back to the forefront of yes. my mind that I need to be intentional mm-hmm. about letting them experience the natural consequences of the mm-hmm. de- decisions that they make. Mm. Yeah, I think for me being an Enneagram too, I, I'm, I have, like, I'm really good at empathy. Not, yes. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I'm good at it I mean I'm saying I'm good at it. I mean you are let's be honest you are really great at empathy what I mean to say is that comes more naturally yes. to me it's, I've definitely still had to work on it but empathy comes quite naturally to me whereas um because I can see what people are thinking or feeling often especially when especially people you know well yes I can often in a similar way to you solve it before it's even articulated or happened or their need has been expressed or a discomfort has been expressed because I can you know read the needs of other people and Mm -hmm. solve it for them as a way that the helper does in an Enneagram too often serves others and provides others love in order to be loved as well and so I struggle with making sure that I'm allowing them to either express needs or experience some of those discomforts before I'm solving it yes (laughs) so I think in a similar way and all of the Enneagram numbers are obviously going to struggle with different areas of parenting and it's going to all be quite different but I think when we're talking about discomfort it's really important I mean even if it's just for you and me Beck and no one else (laughs) it's really important for you and me and our kids yes (laughs) that because this is something that we value that we actually want to allow our children to experience some level of discomfort in a safe environment, in a safe way, in order for it to be a learning opportunity. Definitely. We're not putting them in danger where they're going to be harmed, you know, in a way that's going to have ongoing effects or long-term detrimental effects. It's only in the context of um, very small price tag learning opportunities such as you know, your situation with the, with the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, you or know. a chore that is going right. to, you know, mowing the lawn or something yeah. like that. Just as a bit of a side note about empathy, mm. um, I think that's something that, and whether it's my Enneagram type or not, I'm not sure, but it's something that I've always found very difficult. But I wanted to encourage listeners that if you do find it difficult, mm. that practising actually really helps. Yes, that's true actually. Yeah, one of the things that I've been doing recently is when my kids tell me things Mm. that um, are sad for them or difficult for them Mm -hmm. I've just been practicing actually just empathizing and then shutting my mouth 
mm-hmm. not actually saying anything else because my pre- propensity is to mm-hmm. fix it for them sure. or to try and help them fix it or ask them how they're going to fix it. And it's amazing how much when I just give them empathy and then mm. be quiet, it feels quite awkward because there's often this like awkward silence mm. where nothing happens. But they tend to fill the silence with something else. Yeah, like they'll then so continue to open up and share about something or start to tell me what they're going to do yes. without me even having to ask a question or say anything. So if you do find empathy difficult, it doesn't come naturally to mm. you, just keep practising, just keep mm. um you know, actually a lot of my reminders in my phone are about um, empathy and one of them says um, empathise with the emotion, mm. not the event. Mm. So not it's actually about how they're feeling because of what's happened, That's right. not about what has actually happened. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I just encourage keep practising. It's, it's great for all of your relationships, not just with oh, your kids, completely. all of them, because people feel heard and known when you can experience express to them your sadness about what they're experiencing. I think that's one of the biggest things though. I'm sure that our listeners can maybe remember a time in their life when they've tried to talk to someone about something that they're going through or express a feeling or an emotion or a difficulty and the person's not responded as though they've heard, but they've responded with either straightaway advice or um, not really making you feel like that they've listened to you. Yeah. And I don't know if that is an Enneagram thing, but one thing that comes to mind for me is um, someone that I used to know, I was talking to them this one time about something that had happened in my life and I think they were an Enneagram 6, but I can't ascribe that yes. <laughs> without talking to them. Um, but I remember when I was talking and I was, you know, saying all this stuff that was happening and what I was doing, the, the, the moment I'd finished speaking, she was straight away, well, have you tried blah, 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 blah. And I can just remember thinking in the moment, you don't give a crap at all about the stuff that I've just told you or gone through. And yes. it, it was really quite a difficult moment. I had to, I had to think to myself, to to be kind in my thoughts towards this person and actually just give them the benefit of the doubt of you know they're actually trying to they're actually trying to help me you know they're actually trying to help me and provide me with a solution that they would think is great in that situation but it, it at the at the time if she had have identified first with oh my gosh that sounds really tough that is so bad or I can't believe you have to deal with that. That's not fair at all. Or something like that before the advice, it would have changed completely and I would have wanted to hear everything she's got to say. And so that's just one example from my adulthood, but I can imagine being a kid, even with if I was my own child's parent, if I was my own parent, does that make sense? If you were the parent to yourself. Yes. (laughs) I can even hear myself offering advice to my kids sometimes before I've given empathy. Yes. And that probably happens more so for kids because we're always trying to instruct them. And so I think to remember to respond with empathy is such a winner. It really is. <laughs> I think we kind of jumped off our topic, but it was valuable. Oh, Hopefully really listeners was. found it valuable. I did. Great. <laughs> well, <laughs> on that note then, thanks for listening. See you. Bye, lovers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head to your favourite podcast platform to rate, review and subscribe. Connect with us on Instagram at I Love You Too Much to Argue Podcast. Find us on Facebook 
or email us at I love you too much to argue at gmail.com. Thanks, lovers.